All right, welcome back to Life Works with Coach Mel. Hey, we have a bonus here today. Yes, we do. I'm excited. I am too. It's going to be great. We have an amazing guest here today, all the way from Honduras. Yes, yes, we have Alan Lorenzana. Ha <laughs> ha! I hit it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of me. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, guys, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. Make sure you go out there and share this podcast. Share the link with everyone you know. We're going to be talking about today perspective on missions. And I'm telling you, it's going to be broad, it's going to be fun, it's just going to be life changing, as always, as you join us here today with Life Works with Coach. Mel. So, Coach Mel, yes. what do you have for us today? I tell you, I'm, I'm excited about our guest, uh, our brother Alan Lorenzana from Honduras. And we've known each other for going on three years, but he's the kind of friend that uh, if I regretted anything in life, uh, I regret not meeting some people earlier mm, in my wow, journey. Oh, that's sweet. That's and brother cool. Alan is one of those. That's cool. And so uh, I try to spend as much time as I can with him. Mm-hmm. I bug him while he's in Honduras. He, he doesn't always answer the phone because if he did, he'd be talking to me a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, 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 has good, he has good things to do with his time, and mm-hmm. it doesn't always include talking to Coach Mel. Uh, I can't imagine that. But uh, anyway, he... <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we have, a, uh, have a common spirit in many ways, mm-hmm. and I was excited that he was going to be here today so we'd be able to, uh, to do this, this bonus session. And uh, I think uh, one thing that, I, Brother Allen, that I'd like for you to talk about today is just from the perspective of someone who was the focus of an American mission. Right. <laughs> we don't get to do that very often. No, we get to we talk don't. to missionaries that leave here, go somewhere else and come back and tell us all about how great they were mm-hmm. and how much good they did. So now today we're going to get to hear it from someone that was the focus of uh, some of those missions endeavors. Wow. And... Uh, uh, another way that uh, we uh, have a, a shared spirit is that uh, we're both pastors, and later in our ministry experience, uh, just before we even met each other, we just got to the honest part of saying, hey, something's not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we as believers, as Christians, we've been at this thing for 2,000 years, mm-hmm. and you look at the world and you say, where is the kingdom of God? Right. But you look at the church and say, there's the world. Wow. You, you know, when you look at where we are right now, we're in the midst of a pandemic. You know, when the, the challenges come, you know, it really shows you what you're made out of. It's kind of like a rose, you know. You really don't get the essence of the fragrance until you grind it up. Yes. And I think we're in a grinded situation right now in, in our country. And you're starting to see the cracks. You're starting to see the weaknesses. And, and I think you guys are right. You know, as it relates to our church, as it relates to the kingdom of God, you know, we're starting to see some a few weaknesses yes. uh, that's starting to to appear here. And I'm glad you guys are here. You're aware of it, number one, and that we can talk about, you know, the perspective of missions and, and what we need to do as, as men and women of God. Yes, yes, yeah. uh, very good. And uh, I can remember several years ago just asking the Lord, uh, Lord, what? Does uh, what do you want missions to look like in the 21st century? Mm. It's one thing to go out and, and, and try to get a plan and ask God to bless it. It's something else to say, Father, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What have you already blessed? And just let me know I'll be glad to add my part. And so when I asked that question, what I felt in my heart was that the future of missions was that it was to be American 
uh, fed, but not American led. Mm. And so I've spent quite a bit of time talking about that. I've talked to Brother Allen about that just from his perspective. What does it mean for missions to be fed and not led from the American, you know, resource? Right. And uh, so we have uh, we've come to the to the point of of understanding that uh, traditional church, where you try to get some people together and basically uh, uh, keep them happy for an hour or hour and a half, mm-hmm. uh, have the air conditioned right, the chairs cushioned, the music not too loud, the preacher not too long, uh, and have a you know a good theater performance of some mm-hmm. sort, mm-hmm. and then just hope that they come back next week. <laughs> uh, and I. I really, I got to the point that I, I no longer wanted to do that. Yeah. So, Brother Allen, uh, thanks for being here, and uh, and just uh, just tell us a little bit about your perspective on American missions and missions in general, and and uh, and where we're teaming together to turn Honduras from a mission field to a missions force hmm. for world missions. All right, so glad to be with you guys today. Yes, thank you. And greetings to everyone that's connecting with this podcast. Um, you see, nowadays you read and you hear people talking bad about missions. You know, they say that missions is kind of a colonialist thing to be doing, and many people is just shying away from, from, from missions. But you see, when you are in a country that has benefited so much with missions and missionaries as my country has, you have a very different perspective uh, on that. You see, in Honduras, there is a, a very good light in which uh, we see the American people. Hmm. And most of it has to do with the many missionaries that have come short-term and long-term to work among us. You okay. know? I'm so glad, to, and that's refreshing to hear, that y'all see uh, Americans and America in a good light. Yes. That's, Clarissa, isn't that refreshing? It is because Americans don't see Americans in good light. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead, brother. And when you hear things like that, you know, you wonder, why is these people not loving themselves? Yeah, right. You know, if they have done so much good, all right? Yes. So <laughs> Thank you. I can tell you, my own family, I have had several uh, family members uh, that were the beneficiaries of uh, medical uh, doctors that came from the U.S., and perform surgeries and many other procedures helping them. Probably some of them won't be alive if, if, if that were the case. Mm. So, but not just that, you know, they sent missionaries that brought the gospel. When I came to Christ uh, in 1975, uh, it was uh, a Mennonite American missionary that came and shared the gospel with me and with my friends, you know, there. And that sparked a, a youth movement, you know. Mm-hmm. That grew and grew and grew, and, and right now we are more than forty countries, you know. So he kind of uh, empowered us and disciple us into uh, knowing that we were part of the uh, the Lord's army, mm. you know, to to reach out to those who didn't know uh, Jesus as a savior, as the savior. Mm-hmm. So uh, his name was uh, Edward King, and he came along with his uh, family, with his wife and and a couple of kids. And they adopted also kids there in, in Honduras. So they were much uh, invested their life in, in, in us. Actually, uh, this particular missionary uh, died uh, in 98. He 
because uh, we had a big hurricane, Hurricane Misha that year. Yes, I, rem I remember that. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, he got donations to, to bring, you know, food, water and stuff, you know, to bring to people that were suffering there. He came to deliver those uh, donations and he got uh, hepatitis, hepatitis B, you know, and he died of, of that. Mm. So he, he died serving us, you know. So mm. for many people that, that have not seen that, you know, they can talk whatever they want, but that will never change the perspective of, or the opinion we have of, on missionaries. You know, they have helped a lot, you know, and, and that's a, a big blessing. Mm. And you see, nowadays, you know, America still send, send missionaries uh, to our country, but now we are not 3%. We were 3% Christians, you know, evangelical Christians. We were 3% of the population mm -hmm. uh, in the 70s mm -hmm. when I came to Christ. Now we're close to 30%. Hmm. Okay, did you say 30? 30. So I, I do want to stop right here and say a lot of people think that missions mm -hmm. are, don't work. Or there's no such thing. And the reason I say that is that it's a tradition for some churches. Mm -hmm. So they take up two or three offerings. One is a missions that you don't know who the missions are or what the missions are for. You know, it's just you never see them sent. You know, it's just something to do traditionally uh, at a church. And so I, what I like that I'm hearing is that you go from 3% to 30% since 1970. So to me... That's a major accomplishment. To me, it says that missions work. And to me, it says that it's real. Mm -hmm. It's real. Just because you're not a missionary doesn't mean it's not real or effective. And so I like those numbers. Uh, and I think that those numbers are going to quadruple mm -hmm. within the next several years because of where we are. And missions are, are now more aggressive than they've ever been. You know, and I'm starting to see more of that. It just used to be such a traditional thing to say you had missions, but no missions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, you know, nothing to prove. You know, well, where are they? You know, mm -hmm. but when I hear those numbers, Alan, that's amazing. Yeah, you you barely can jump in a in a plane to some of our countries that you will find several groups of missionaries coming mm -hmm. and going to serve somehow. You know, in some situation there in the country, being medical missions. Or being people building home for the homeless, mm -hmm. or you know, just uh, sharing the gospel with the youth, all kind of missions, you know, that they, they come and, and they perform. Mm -hmm. uh, but nowadays, you know, this this figure that I'm telling you, 30% is kind of a conservative figure, you know, because if you hear some people, they say that they're less, and if if, if it's us the evangelicals that do the the, the math, uh, we are 50% of the, mm -hmm. of the population. <laughs> So this is kind of in the middle right, right, uh, right. to be conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the thing is, nowadays, there is a strong church in many countries in Latin America uh, of, all, all, of all colors, you mm -hmm. know, of all kinds, mm -hmm. all denominations. And now we're starting seeing ourselves, not just as a mission field, but the Lord is putting in our hearts, you know, that the command to go to the end of the earth is not just for the Americans, mm -hmm. you know. It's for every every Christian everywhere mm -hmm. in the world, you know. So I think the the, the mission for an American missionary to come to Honduras will come to um, a different a different focus, mm -hmm. and that will be to to teach and and to empower uh, the Latin American church uh, to be as uh, missionaries themselves, mm -hmm. right? And that's very important because there are some places. 
that Americans are not uh, re- well received. You know? Can imagine. You know? well, mm. uh, but that's not the case with uh, the case with Latin Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't have any problem with any, a Mexican or with a Brazilian. Actually, they'd be happy to have one of those mm-hmm. or a Honduran, you know, to uh, come to their countries. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that we start uh, we have started seeing, and we are striving uh, forward, you know, to to look this happening more often, you know, that, that a Latin American missionary is going abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what we need to learn for the American mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for 150, 200 years. You right, know? right. So you have a, a, a cumulative know-how, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that we don't have, but we need to learn that from you guys. Yeah, well, may, maybe that's part of uh, being American-fed but not American-led. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and, and I can tell you, uh, just my time in Honduras, especially with Brother Allen, uh, I've learned from him, I've learned with him, and so now together we're looking at other countries that we can go to together, like to Spain, we're mm-hmm. considering a trip later this year. Well, you know, there's something that your audience is not aware of as it relates to you, uh, Coach Mel, and they know about the coaching piece. Uh, they don't know about Honduras, they don't know about you're going in another week yes. um, to, to visit and, and the things that you're doing in Honduras, so let's kind of put a pin in this for a second and let's tell your story, you know, what your connection is with Honduras and the missions and, and where you are right now. And then that can kind of pull things together as to how brother Allen plays a part in all of this. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, I, I first went to Honduras in 2008 along with my mother to visit a, a, a teacher there who had gone to a rural village to start a school. And my mother was a retired teacher, and she heard that story, and she wanted to go meet that lady all the way to Honduras. Mm-hmm. My mom was 80 years old at the time. So we went, and that was the beginning. I think I've been over 40 times since then. And I've always known that I was going to be involved in missions, and prior to Honduras, I was involved in mi- missions in Mexico. When other children were reading comic books, I was reading missionary biographies. Uh, and I, so I've read biographies from all over the world. And I love history, and I've read history of countries all over the world, history of the church. So many times when I go to places where I've been, like to Kenya or Sri Lanka, I actually have a better feel for where they've been and who they are than many of them because I've had an opportunity to read about their history and their involvement with the church and missions and all that. And, uh, but Honduras has been uh, exciting for me uh, because of uh, just all the creativity that, that the Lord has released through many of us that have gone down there. I remember when I first went to this village that had nothing. I mean, no electricity, uh, no health care, not even a Band-Aid, no school, nothing. And I remember thinking, this village has nothing, so everything is possible. Mm, such a good way to look at that. Yes. Yeah. And so I dedicated my life to that rural village for the next five years, no matter what happened. So I went back several times a year. Mm-hmm. And along the way... Uh, developed a lot of other uh, a lot of other opportunities developed and uh, then especially uh, meeting brother Allen and I, I do want to get this in brother Allen that you and I as pastors we've we've sort of changed our program uh, away from traditional church mm-hmm. and uh, into what has been called the the house church movement uh, here in Birmingham I call it the micro church because we meet in other places besides houses so brother Allen would you Maybe address that a bit and what got your attention about that and, and uh, what's happened in the last few years with your experience with that. Yeah, you see, the Lord tells us uh, that the harvest is plenty, mm-hmm. all right? So that we should be praying 
for him to send us our laborers. Right. So one of the, the things that I realize is that there is like six million Hondurans that still are not in Christ, mm. you know. And I think every church everywhere should be making that that calculation, you know, that figure. How many people are still without Christ in, in their own neighborhood and community? Mm. And then we realize that just with a few uh, pastors, leaders, deacons, or people in charge of churches, it's not enough to reach out to all of those that are, are not with Christ in their lives. But that you, that you need to mobilize each one of the members of the church. There is an old um, recapture of doctrine in the church, which is uh, that uh, the priesthood of all believers. But we give lip service to that, and we don't really... Uh, mean it you know we don't really uh, act it mm -hmm. you see we're still uh, I, I say it this way you know we came out of, we protestants you know we came out of the catholic church but somehow the catholic church never came out of us mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so we are acting like uh, that there is two classes in the church you know the, the christian pros mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. the pastor you know and then all the others you know right. the lay people but that doesn't exist in god's plan mm -hmm. everybody is a minister everybody is an ambassador of the kingdom of God right. in the church. So what we need to do, actually the only job for any pastor, uh, teacher, or apostle, or evangelist, is to equip the saints, so the saints yes. be able to work, to do the work of the mm -hmm. ministry. Mm -hmm. But we are failing in doing that. And in doing that, we have a lot of uh, laborers for the kingdom just sitting idle, doing nothing in yes. the benches in the church, you know, having mm -hmm. fun, uh, having a good time. And until we learn to act as a movement and mobilize all of these people, Christ is not coming. Mm. You know, a lot of people say, oh yes, Jesus is coming, but they don't do the work. There is a work to be done. Mm -hmm. The Lord says in, in Matthew 24, 14, that this kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom mm -hmm. has to be preached to every uh, people's group in the world, every language, you know, and then the, the, the end will come. Mm -hmm. But there's still 6,000 people group that have not heard the, the word of God in this world out of 7,000, 17,000, you know. So who's going to be doing that work, mm -hmm. you know? So there is a lot to do yet. So it's not, if you have to do church the way we've been doing it, it's not enough, it's too slow, it's too heavy. It's, we need a church that is liquid. You yeah, know, yeah, that's that will, good. That will go everywhere, uh, no yeah. matter what, any Caribbean they <laughs> it found. Mm -hmm. it, will be in, it will be a church that could be in a house, mm -hmm. it could be in a coffee, coffee shop, mm -hmm. it could be down a mango tree, you know, or whatever in the world, you know, they can meet. Actually, the quorum that the Lord requires is only two or three. Mm -hmm. You know, he said that where two or three, right. this is my name, I'll be there. So mm -hmm. what else do you need? You, know? <laughs> you don't need 1,000 or 500. Two or three actually is so unspecific that he's like two or three, right? You know, right. it could be two, it could be three, it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but they're gonna be there, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, church is not church how we do it nowadays, doesn't really resemble much of what it was in the time of Jesus and the apostles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need to come back and learn Jesus' model, how he did things, because mm -hmm. he's a rabbi not only of ethics mm -hmm. or spirituality, he's also a rabbi or teacher in terms of how do you do mission? Mm. You know, we have to do mission the way he did it. <laughs> you did Preach the, it now, the closer, yeah. the closer we go mm -hmm. to the way Jesus did it and his apostles, 
So the better the results we're gonna mm. get, mm. and the faster the kingdom of God will reach every every corner in this in this uh, earth. Wow, you know, this pandemic has revealed so much, and I believe that you know we're in a, a place and a space right now to implement the micro church to implement the type of teaching, Alan, that you're, you're talking about. Because truly, church as we know it has been disrupted. It's been disrupted. Uh-huh. And so it's forcing churches, ministers, pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, you know, everyone that you mentioned, everyone's having to pivot. And so this is a prime time for people like you, Alan, for people like Coach Mel, to start implementing the true, true biblical foundation and the true mission that God has for us to operate in. And so this is prime time. You have a lot of millennials that don't want to do church. They're not interested in doing church as we used to. Not interested. They want to uh, serve Christ. They want to represent him, but they're not interested in how it used to be. And so the awareness that you guys have is just powerful to me. And I think we're at a prime time to make the changes necessary. Yes. And uh, I, I remember it was uh, probably about a year and a half ago after I decided that I was going to uh, not be involved in pastoring in a traditional way, which I had done for decades, but that I wanted to do something different and, and have it more aligned with what I felt like was in the New Testament. And I had this encounter very early one morning. I don't know if I was awake or asleep completely. But I had this encounter, and this person appeared to me in the encounter, and I just had the presence of mind in the uh, experience to know that he was from first century Rome. He was dressed as a common worker, you know, with a short robe, uh, nothing fancy at all. He was a, a worker. And he asked me, he said, Brother, tell me, what's it like when followers of the Nazarene gather? And I said, Well, we get together 50 to 5,000, sometimes more. Uh, in one location, seated in rows, facing a raised platform where one person or a small group of people basically go through a scripted program with limited interaction with the people in the rows. Mm. Now, for being asleep, I thought that was a pretty good (laughs) (laughs) definition, you know. Uh And when I said that, he put his hand out and stopped me, and he said, Brother, I didn't ask you to describe the theater. Mm. I asked you what it was like when followers of the way gather, Mm. and the encounter ended. And that, that marked me. And just, just to be thinking about that, that he, he introduced that, that encounter with uh, followers of the Nazarene, and then the other part was followers of the way. Those were the two ways that Christians were identified between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 11 when they were first called Christians at Antioch. So it was somewhere along in that, in that time period. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I, I've actually been to a Sunday morning uh, service only twice in the last year and a half. And both times I've gone, I can't get that theater that model con- yeah, yeah. concept out of right. my mind. It's like, okay, is air conditioned okay? Is it too hot, too cold, the chairs comfortable? Uh, was, the, was the music too loud? How about the speaker? Did it go too long? Were you interested? I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm kinda, I kind of have an edge about that uh, you probably can't tell but <laughs> oh yeah I, you know, I think it's it's right time you know because and i, I really believe based on the numbers um that they're going to kind of close some things down again if they don't close it down they're going to pump the brakes on the number of people who can do in-person things so we're going to kind of go back 
to where we were in 2020 as it relates to church worship. This, this is what pandemic times have shown us about the church the way we normally do it. Mm-hmm. Is that it's a weak model. Mm. The state mm-hmm. will close it down if they want it, you know, or the necessity, the health necessity if you want, will ask us to close it down if, if whatever is needed. So that shows that there is another model. Yes, there is. You read it every, every day that you read your uh, Bible in the New Testament, mm-hmm. but we are not following it. You know, we need to learn. So those who are wise, we learn from these times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right, and we'll change the way they do church. But there are many that are just waiting for everything to normalize to do as usual. Yeah. You know, but then this is just a prelude uh, of of things to come. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So there will be times when mm. this will be permanent, and mm. and those all of those churches will die, mm-hmm. die. They want to write. Actually, many have died already. Yeah, many churches have died, and unfortunately, many pastors have committed suicide mm-hmm. in the midst of all this. And that, you know, Coach Mel, that may be another podcast. But you, I mean, you're right. Or they have quit ministry. They have. Yes. And, and this is one of the reasons why to have the church the way we normally do it is a huge burden for those who are in charge. Because it's not the same having five people doing the work of 200 than having 200 doing the work of 200. Mm. All right? Mm. So, <laughs> so it's a big, so a lot of pastors that I know, colleagues mm. of, my, of, of me, you know, so they are, they actually took the chance. They said, well, this is the great, a great chance, you know, to, to quit. And nobody's wow. going to blame me. You know? <laughs> uh, wow. All right? Because it, it's because COVID, not yeah. because they wanted to quit long ago. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and many don't do it. Mm. Because it's not something that is not honorable, they feel, you know, to do. That's right. Uh, and to be judged and all that They're going to judge, yeah. judge me and things. You know. mm. so, but that, they don't realize that it's not because of, of the church itself, because it's the way we do it. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. not following Christ in that sense. And the, the, the day we do it, you know, so you find out that there is a lot of work that you've been doing that somebody else was supposed to be doing it. Right. right. It's I mean it's a revelate it's a time of revelation and reveal. It really is. You know, as we end this podcast today, I'm I'm interested in knowing what's next for Coach Mel and and Alan because uh, I know you guys have some stuff cooked up, and uh, as it relates to missions, you have some things that's going to be taking place here within the next couple of months. I'm sure. So you know, you guys kind of tell us what you have going on. Okay. Well, uh, we're talking about making a trip together to Spain to Barcelona, okay. Spain, nice. to introduce, well, the concept is already there of micro church or house church, mm-hmm. but we want to go there and learn from them because they've been doing it some. We can all learn and share with them what we've learned about it. And I think uh, I'm learning now where my unique position is, is that uh, once I once I saw the vision of micro church, I just totally quit doing the Sunday morning thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm not putting any more money, time, nor energy into this thing that I don't feel like getting a job done. Right. And so uh, I never have been known for being a moderate person. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't even know that, that pools have a shallow end. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just dump in, jump in the deep end, you know, yeah, just yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, so uh, Brother Allen's been a good partner for me there. Mm. He's challenged me. 
uh, when I needed it. That's good. And not necessarily when I wanted it. Right, right. that's a good friend. <laughs> but uh, he has challenged me. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now we're, we're mainly working on, uh, on some business as ministry mm-hmm. programs in Honduras. We've already started several businesses there. I'll be going down next week to check on a restaurant and coffee shop. Oh, that's that, nice. that we've started, yeah. and the profits of that restaurant and coffee shop will go in to fund what's happening in Honduras, so mm-hmm. they won't have to rely as much on American money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're making an investment in the people, and not just going down and trying to do things for them. Right, right. But making an investment. Uh, and uh, one way I like to look at it is that we're we're going down to plant trees rather than to export fruit. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right, so that so, brother Allen, uh, how do you see what we're doing together in our well, team um, effort? We're, we're working towards having a church planting movement going on in Honduras mm-hmm. until there is no place left. Mm, I love it. All right, until everybody have yeah. uh, heard the word of Jesus mm-hmm. and had opportunity uh, to respond to that. Mm-hmm. You know, an articulate gospel presentation done done by somebody they know. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so that <laughs> that that takes uh, that takes a lot of work and mm-hmm. uh, it takes uh, to equip a lot of people. So we are training uh, many church leaders mm-hmm. and uh, sending people to each one of our states to start teams, local teams, to uh, keep doing that. Right. Uh, so that also means what what Mel is explaining uh, that some people has to. Um, start some ways to support themselves to do this job, you know, because uh, uh, we, we don't want to have a movement that is uh, financially dependent on any, or any other else but the, those who are involved in it, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. So that takes uh, some work, and we are busy in doing that, and also training people in other parts of Latin America and Hispanic work, you know, mm-hmm. España, Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, is, we, we, what we are act now seeing happening is that these church planters are becoming serial kids, <laughs> serial church planters? So they yeah. have planted several oh, generations nice. of churches. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of our, one of the people we train, one of the networks we train, they planted four hundred churches in the last three years. All right. Wow. Yeah. So we've been seeing a lot of traction in, in that. And uh, now those churches are is it on that churches. mic? Type okay, gotcha. They are house churches. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. We don't put a limit on how big they can become. They can mm-hmm. be uh, bigger or smaller. As, as I was telling before, you know, mm-hmm. two or three is enough. But normally they are more than ten people. Right, right. So, but if you if you have four hundred with uh, fifteen people, that's six thousand people. Mm-hmm. You can imagine if you would start a church somewhere and in three years it could have six thousand people, mm-hmm. you'd think, wow, that that's that person would be invited to speak to a lot of different conferences. Right, right. But this is very much uh, under the radar. So these experienced church planters are becoming also or pipeline for missionaries to be sent to places like North Africa, mm-hmm. Indonesia, mm-hmm. Uh, the Arabic uh, world, mm-hmm. uh, Southeast Asia, and other places. So we are working, uh, preparing these guys, you know, to be ready to go when the Lord calls. Wow. Yeah. They, you know, it's really good because what I hear you saying is that you are giving away power because the only way you can empower is that you have to give power away. Mm-hmm. I sound like Coach Mel. On yeah. the other day. <laughs> I've been so hanging I'm around. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> in, all, in order for people to be empowered, you must first give power away. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teresa, you know, one of the things that stops, that stops, 
the kingdom of, of God to expand further mm-hmm. is when, when we centralize authority mm-hmm. and we don't mm-hmm. release authority. Right. Jesus had his disciples mm-hmm. going into mission in the first third of his three years ministry. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Luke 10 and Matthew 10. So he had already, they, they had ready, they have them ready already at the first year to be sent out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't do that. And, and it's a disconnect. It's, I don't know if it's pride, if it's ego, but, you know, Jesus was like, look, you know, you will do as I I have done. You know, the same thing I can do, you can do. Even you know? greater things he Even said. greater. And so I don't know if it's a power thing or an ego pride thing that's going on to where they, it feels like if you give power away, you, it makes you weaker. But really mm. it makes you a lot stronger. Yes. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Brother Allen, for joining us today. Uh, to be here. Yes, and I, I can't wait to listen to this myself. And Clarissa, thanks for helping us again to keep this thing going. And oh yeah, it's it's uh, I'm so excited because it was just an honor to have uh, Alan in here with us today. I mean, you had a ball yes. with you, Alan, and just everything that you're sharing. And I can tell that you and Coach Mel are friends because of the different analogies that you guys use. It's just kind of I can tell they're friends. You know, it's it's just powerful words that's happened here today. And we're excited about the perspective on missions, Coach Mel. And Alan, again, thank you for hanging out with Coach Mel. I mean, it's just a great podcast. It was great. Yes, thank you. All right. So, guys, listen, make sure you join Coach Mel every single Wednesday. He drops a new podcast, and he's going to drop another one on next week. So stay tuned. Be sure to tell everyone you know that life works with Coach Mel and we'll pick up next week as we continue the series and the episodes on Life Works Better with Scripture. All right, guys, we'll see you back here next week.